everyone, it's Judy Warner. Welcome back to this week's Ecosystem Podcast. Today, I'm joined by none other than Lee Ritchie, president of Speeding Edge Solutions and High Speed Digital Experts. We're going to talk about SKU today and ways that you can avoid or mitigate it in your designs. And we also talk about the future outlook across the industry to solve this problem long term. Before I jump into this conversation, I wanted to give a shout out to Christopher Jackson, who reached out to Lee and I through YouTube and asked us to do this podcast. We always love hearing from people like you and Christopher to give us ideas for guests and topics. So Christopher, hope you enjoy this one. Now let's jump right into our conversation with Lee Ritchie of Speeding Edge Solutions. Hi, Lee. It's so good to see you, my friend. We haven't done this in a while, and I'm really excited to have you on today. Well, I'm excited to do the same thing. It's always been fun to do this because you're pretty good at prying out information that needs to be recorded, and I think that's what we're going to do with this session. We are indeed. Get ready, buddy. I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're going to talk about something we've talked about in in the past, but as you know, nothing stays still in this industry. So I, I wanted to get you on and talk about skew. But before we do that, um, for the, you know, two people in the industry that might not know who you are, why don't you give us a brief introduction? All right. Uh, My name is Lee Ritchie. I'm President of Speeding Edge, which is a consulting and training company. I've been in the high-speed business since it started with ECL long ago and have spent pretty much all of my career doing pushing the envelope, going up and up and up in speed. And and, uh, in the early 70s when we were doing high-speed computing, we were delighted that we got our supercomputer to clock speed all the way to 33 gigahertz, uh, megahertz, 33 megahertz. <laughs> <laughs> That's unbelievable that, that it was that slow, but that semiconductors were that slow, if you want to call it that. Uh, at any rate, uh, from that experience, I've been all, all my career on startups who always pushing the envelope with the next new product and for the last since the mid 90s it's been internet products primarily uh, and to give some insight into what we have done since uh, in 1996 we were struggling to make all of our links run error free at 10 megabits per second Uh, two years ago i worked on an interface to undersea cables get the bandwidth up in the cables uh, where the data rate was 40, 400 gigabits per second. <laughs> gigabits per second. That's, That's a 40,000 to 1 change in bandwidth in little over 20 years. And so that's how rapid our industry has changed. And it has everything to do with the classes I teach because engineers have got to get up to speed at Almost, almost, almost makes your nose bleed. Uh, and so, uh, part of part of what well, differential signaling is what has allowed us to do that, and that's going to be what we talk about here. Uh, and, uh, and I'm currently working on new laminates to 
deal with the next round, whatever the next speed increase is. Uh, who knows where we end up? I thought five years ago we would never get to 100 megabits per second. Yeah. Got that one wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that one went by just like that. Well, to your point, it just blew my mind. I think because we all got in a time warp during COVID, before COVID, I had done a podcast with Jason Ellison, and we, I think it was Jason, we were talking about doing, you know, getting to 112, and I'm like, no, we're not. And so I just sort of was busy and wasn't paying explicit attention to high speed, and then I come back, Sam Tech starts talking about 224, and I'm like, what? You mean you hit... 112 and now you're shooting for 224 like <laughs> it felt like Rip Van Winkle what just happened so it's these are crazy times so um let's talk about why don't you give us a a quick for our listeners just give us a I'm sure everyone knows but give us a quick definition of skew you know and in the case of dip pairs what what causes it and the problems it causes all right well the, the, the internet as we know it and high-speed signaling as we know it, it is possible because of differential signaling. And basically what we have is two equal and opposite signal waveforms that are launched from a driver down a transmission line, which is two transmission lines really, uh, and arrive at a receiver that looks at the difference of voltage. That's what, where the differential comes from. Mm -hmm. decides is this a one or a zero. Well, how successful that is done depends on the two signals arriving at the same time. Mm -hmm. and, and what when we decide uh, we have a logic state change is when the two waveforms cross. If they don't cross in the middle of the waveform, in other words, if they misalign, uh, the bit error rate goes up, and at some point the link will not work because it, it, they don't arrive. They're so far apart when they arrive that link fails, and that's what we call skew. Uh, mm -hmm. Skew is misalignment of the two signals at the receiver, uh, and uh, uh, the primary cause of that is a difference in travel time across the print circuit board. Uh, and of course, print circuit boards are made from uh, a combination of resin and woven cloth, glass cloth. Mm -hmm. And those two have very different dielectric constants. So if one member of the transmission line is in the resin, it's got a dielectric constant around three. And the other one's on glass, with dielectric constant around six. Uh, the speeds are going to be substantially different. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that is, that is, basically the only real cause of skew in modern print circuit board. We've got everything else that uh, is involved so well made that it's, it's basically the glass we re require to make a laminate dimensionally stable that is right. available. Right. That, and so, uh, yeah, and, and usually that's in the form of a grid, right? Those, those, it's a woven glass. It's woven it's, cloth, right? Just, just like linen, just like any of right. woven cloth. Mm -hmm. and in fact, they're, the materials are woven on the same looms that used to make cloth. If I went through a weaver mm. in North Carolina and it was in an old textile mill 
that was once upon a time making calico or something like that. And, <laughs> and, and you could see all around all the stuff from um, making cloth. And so, same technology. Right. Ancient yeah. technology, but mm -hmm. it works, right? Mm -hmm. So, because of this issue that's well known and is problematic, um, tell us a little bit about how engineers are handling that today. And then I know this is a problem you've been looking at, solving, working through for a very long time because your expertise um, and focus on, on high speeds. So kind of give us a, a sense of where we are today and how engineers are dealing with this today with high-speed electronics. All right. Well, there are, basically there are two techniques being used. One of them is to route the traces in the artwork X and Y, and then when we put the artwork down on the panel and print circuit board, we tilt it at an angle so that you're not traveling straight down one fiber in between right. the two fibers, and that's the dominant solutions being used. And uh, early on, the number was used was a 15 degree angle. Uh, mm. And that turned out not to be good enough. Uh, and later on, research was done. It was discovered that at five degrees, that pretty well takes care of it. So uh, a very large part of the industry is doing it that way. The disadvantage of that is when you boards are rectangles and so are the fabrication panels. Yeah. So if you, if you cock the artwork at an angle, uh, you waste a lot of material. Yep. Or it may not fit. For example, we we build a lot of uh, what we call pizza box boards, which are one you rack mounted, mm -hmm. and that's the dominant board in this whole industry. Right. And uh, that's wide enough that you can't almost can't do that cocking on the panel right. to make it fit. Yeah. And so. That's not my solution. Yeah. My solution is uh, there are probably a dozen different weave styles that you can choose from for these thin laminates. Uh, and the classics have always been uh, what's called 106 glass and 1080 glass. And that was the first place that this problem cropped up because 1080 was automatically how you made a 4 mil core. That's where this mm. problem first popped up. Well, we, we discovered there was something called spread glass. Uh, and uh, uh, it, it, the fibers in, the, the, in the each glass bundle were spread out so that you had a uniform surface of glass. And that solved the problem. And for quite a long time, we were using a material called 3313, 33, that's a glass weave. Uh, and we built all kinds of boards with that uh, at, a, at a fabricator up in Oregon and had no skew. Hmm. And so we thought, oh, that's a wonderful material. And so the test boards we did for Isola, we made from 3313, and they all failed skew. Every one of them failed. What? What's going on here? Turned out it was a different weaver. And, oh, and so, no. So it's so, where they were sourcing... <laughs> Yes, and, and so we got mm -hmm. to digging into it, and uh, uh, 
the reason that the glass is being spread is not sequel integrity. It was for drilling laser laser drilled blind vias because mm -hmm. if the glass was not uniformly spread, if the beam intensity was high enough to burn through the glass fibers mm -hmm. where there were none, you got a huge huge erosion and the, the, the holes were basically so so badly formed that you couldn't plate them. And so that's why glass got spread. And of course the dominant the, the driver for that was cell phones. Cell phones because they're all the build up technology. Mm -hmm. And of mm -hmm. course uh, the spreading that was being done in these two very variations of 33 turn at 13 I talked about they were happy with that. The spreading was okay. It was good enough for a laser drill by via. I see. But not good enough for skew. Hmm. And so we spent, I don't know how many hours, trying to get the IPC standard for how glass weave is, is specified to, to get a definition of spreading that was good enough so we could trust uh, get the same thing from everybody. Mm -hmm. It was very much like herding cats. Uh, <laughs> the committee had a member from pretty much every glass weaver on it, and, and they would not share how they did spreading. And there is the issue. There is the issue, and so I, out of frustration, I finally just quit uh, trying to get that done. And uh, so we search around for a better solution, and, and this is it. We there is there is a spread glass weave called uh, 1067, which uh, is um, intended for the same application. And we discovered that if you just use one layer of that above and one below your transmission line in one direction, you still get skew. So we. We discovered by building test boards that if I put two flies of 1067 above the transmission line and two below, we 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 got it. And, and now, did you did you do those in different directions when you layered them like that, Lee? No, you, you really can't. Same do direction, that because, okay. You know, because of the way the weave is made, I mean that would be one solution, but it, it, uh, it'd be bad for the board. If, if you look at how laminate. Is made that going to require yeah. you're going to wind up throwing away a lot of material if you do that. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't yeah. sure what that would do. Yeah. So in this 1067 and doing the second, okay, I have two questions. One, when you when you do spread glass, you mentioned about the different loss of the glass versus the laminate. What does that do to your your loss? Well, so uh, it, we're really talking about the loss in the resin versus the loss in the cloth, I yes. think. Yes. Uh, well, we didn't see a significant difference in loss when we had skew. If that's, I think that's your question. If I. Do, do we also get more loss when we have traveling over the glass bundle versus uh, yes. in the dielectric? And, mm -hmm. and the answer is yes, but the number is pretty small. The difference is okay. pretty small. And okay. the reason for that is the 
manufacturers of these systems that are aimed at this market have successfully re reduced the loss in both materials so so low that in, any difference you would see is second or third order. Okay. All right. That's good to know. And then in regards to this 1067 glass and and putting two layers above and below the transmission lines, is this something like, did you publish that? Like, is that something known to engineers? Can they tell it from data sheets if they wanted to implement it? Well, I've, I've taught that technique in my classes for the last seven or eight years. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's in the public domain. Okay. I mean, I, I suppose that John and I could have patented that, but uh, we've, we've been interfered with by too many patents in the past, and so we, we, we don't want to constrain the problem. Right. Yeah, I understand. Well, That's maybe we enough. can, yeah, well, maybe we'll go dig those out. I'm just thinking that people listening to this might want to be, ooh, oh, yeah, I want to do that. So I want to send them somewhere else where they could maybe access things that are in the public domain. That's why I was asking. Okay, so spread glass is the best solution. And to do it in this way, now, it sounds to me from talking to you and Kella that there's a fundamental limit of laminates and speeds somewhere around 56 gigabits per second. Can you talk about that a bit? And, and again, how do we deal with that? As you mentioned in the beginning, like the speeds aren't going to slow down. Bandwidths are not going to slow down. So we've sort of, created a stopgap that's good and where do we go from here lee well so, so the solutions that i was describing and the designs i was describing were 32 gigabits per second okay uh, and uh, at 56 even that solution doesn't work mm. and so because there's not much room for error at that data rate. At 56 gigabits per second, uh, a bit period is 20 picoseconds. Mm -hmm. uh, and so five picoseconds askew does that in. Well, yeah. we had as much as five picoseconds with that solution I just talked about at 32 gigabits, that's okay. So. What we're doing right now is flyover, meaning that we don't have the transmission lines in the board. They're in twin X that's outside the board. Okay. And, and no surprise, that's a very expensive solution. Right. And, and so, as it turns out, right now, the, the only signals that run at that data rate are between the, the fiber interface, the SF, SFP module, and the first integrated circuit. So mm -hmm. you'll see that from the front panel back to the first integrated circuit that receives that data rate, that's a flyover connection. Mm -hmm. And from there on, everything in the board is at 32 gigabits per second. I see. So they just use it where they need it. 
-hmm. and yeah, keep the other transmission yeah. light on the board. Um, and you just you just hinted at earlier about 112. Yeah. And so so if they if the, there is 112 in that path I just described, and you mm -hmm. saw at DesignCon this year trying to do 224. Yeah. Yeah, my okay. friends at Samtech, I, I never did get over to their booth at DesignCon. I wanted to, but I was just too busy podcasting. But what did you see over there? And I know it was just a kind of proof of concept dreamy well, land at this point. There's there's a, a whole ecosystem and a lot of problems have to get solved before then. But what were your no observations? Surprise, all, the, all the connections were Twin X flyover. I see. Uh, where, where I was actually going with my last little bit is, if I take that this, that last inch, if you want to call it, at 224, yeah. down on the board, I'm going to have to double the data rate in the board, and that's going to be 56 gigabits per second. I see. And now we're stuck. Now we're stuck, because okay. there isn't any material right now that will... You, it, assuming you don't you have a loss problem, there's no material that is good enough with respect to skew I see to go at that data rate got it so now what Lee I mean we got the flyover cables but now what where do where do you imagine we're going to go and we're always talking about and I really don't know enough about it but I imagine you do optics or embedding things in the board like is there any solution that well, gives us some hope, optics, I guess. Optics is more expensive than than twin X. Yeah. By another another order of magnitude. I mean, yeah. people talk about optic connections in the board, and that is not realistic. Uh, what we need to do, and uh, I'm working with two suppliers right now, we need to make a material that does not depend on glass. Hmm. Okay. Because uh, that's the villain. And if you reflect way back, the reason there's glass cloth is that produced the mechanical stability mm -hmm. for a two-layer board. Yeah. Or a four-layer board. Well, when we build, when we're talking about this kind of a design, it's rarely under 20 layers. Yeah, exactly. Of which probably half are plain, copper planes. And the copper planes are now producing the dimensional stability. We don't need the glass anymore for that. Oh, interesting. Because okay. the, copper, the copper sets the temperature coefficient of expansion of the whole thing, not the glass. Mm, okay. And so I'm working with two suppliers to come up with a limit that does not include glass. Okay. We're not, we're not there yet, but that's what we're doing. So will you, I assume that as part of that, and I know you can't divulge who those <laughs> laminate suppliers are because you're under N NDA, but um, what, are you going to make test boards and how far along in the process yes. are you on yes, that? Yes, yes. Uh, we have already built some test boards. Okay. Uh, they're... At the moment, they're not satisfying the uh, the UL requirement for uh, multiple reflows. Mm. Okay. Uh, 
And, and so that's, that's the problem is being worked right now. Mm -hmm. uh, the multiple reflow thing really is for avionics, where you might have your airplanes hit, being sitting on the desert in Arizona yeah. inside the instrument 150 degrees. Yeah. Half an hour later, you're at 30,000 feet, where it's 60 below, and you yeah. do that over and over and over again, the yeah. circuit board gets yeah. cycled, and that's the reason for that 20 reflow business. Uh, uh, we I don't see. need that in, in a server farm. It doesn't go on and off. So <sighs> we don't need that, but uh, to get certified, you got to do that for material. Oh. Oh, the blessing and curse of standards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Well, and and yeah. there's, there's another irony, and that is when we're building our, we built all these test boards in 2013. Is that right? Yeah, 2013. Uh, the company we're doing it for had two laminates that had no skew. And we were delighted with those and wanted them to commercialize the material. And for a reason we don't understand, they didn't do it. But there, now 10 years ago, we had material that satisfied the problem, but the manufacturer chose not to commercialize it. <sighs> no what more. was me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did, that, did, did that back in 2013 involve glass? And would it meet the 56 gig ceiling you're talking about? They wouldn't tell me what was in the material. Okay, makes sense. But yes, it would, it would do the job at 56 because the loss was low enough. It would have done the job. Let's go beat them up, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised that they lost the recipe. And the oh. company had some severe reorganizations. Mm -hmm. In fact, the guy who was developing that material is one of the people who is developing the material we're testing right now. Okay. Well, keep going, Lee. Keep fighting <laughs> the good fight. Yeah. We appreciate you doing it. Um, this is really interesting conversation, and since last time we talked about it you you have some interesting additions that i i didn't know about if you were a high speed engineer today where would you go look besides some of the things in the public domain that i'll try to hunt down for audience where can they go to do better maybe they're not all the way you know at 56 but maybe they are at 32 and where can they go to learn more and maybe learn some techniques to help them with their skew problems well the, the dominant place this topics are explored mm -hmm. is design con okay all of the things we're talking about have been presented as papers at design con okay uh, and are available online from Design Con. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if, if, I'm not sure how you get access to those. Uh, okay. Well, I have a relationship with the Design Con folks. So for uh -huh. our audience, I will go try to hunt that down for you. And whatever I find, I promise I will put in the, the show notes for you, whatever I can find. 
And Lee, I know you have just some, you know, great classic books out on high speed. Where would you like our listeners to go to tap into some of your your hard-won wisdom that that you've published over the years? Well, we have two books. They're e-books now. Uh, we self-published, and the reason we did that is we wanted color, and none of the technical book publishers want to do that. Yeah, so which we, is we funny. we self-published, and it was not a cheap enterprise to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, funny thing about when you go to a printer, uh, you say, I want 3,000 of these books, and says, okay, here's the start button on the press, but before I'll push it, I want to check for $50,000. Yeah. yeah and, and it kind of sets you back a little bit when they... You write that check, says, boy, I hope somebody buys these books. Yeah, right. They did. But we don't want to do any more $50,000 checks. So they're e-books, and they're on our website. Okay. Uh, and, and anyone who wants to can go on there and buy a, an e-copy for $25. Uh, and the Which first is a heck volume, of a bargain. Yeah. Yeah, it is. If you think about what the, the price is of books you buy from somebody like Prentice Hall, yeah. Um, anyway, the first volume is what I would ca- call the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. The second one is where all this stuff is we just got talked about, the high-end okay. stuff. Okay. Um, and volume two is now a textbook at my university, which is kind of nice. Yeah. It's nice to know you did something that a professor wants to use. And passing on the baton, like I said, this is hard-worn wisdom. You got the bumps and bruises to account for it, so yeah. that's great news. Yeah, from probably about four or five thousand designs. Yeah, least, just a at few. At least that many. At least that many. Yeah. 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 And pushing the envelope every day. Yeah. Well, keep keep carrying on, Mister Lee yeah. Ritchie. We need you. Just keep doing it because, you know, there's a there's a few out there trying to solve these problems. But I really appreciate you because you have your feet on the ground working with industry and engineers to to really solve these problems. So we appreciate you very much. And thanks so much for coming on and talking to us today and getting us up to speed. Okay, there's one other thing I should point out. Okay, we should have written a volume three. But the first two were hard enough work. We chose not to do that again. And on my website uh, is a a digital library, Mm -hmm. which is all kinds of articles I've written since then that are my volume three. And you can buy that. You can buy that library. Okay. I'm glad you inserted that. So, again, for listeners, I'm going to put all those links below for you so you can go tap in and and learn much more and much more depth than we've had the opportunity to talk about. But um, Lee, thanks again. I appreciate you. And thanks for coming on today and sharing with engineers how to, how to navigate this, this pervasive problem, particularly in high speed. I hope you'll come back and tell us when you make more progress with those laminate manufacturers. All right. You can bet we'll make a lot of noise when it's, it's real. Okay. All right. right. Well, don't forget us. We'll help you make a lot of noise. Okay. My pleasure. Thanks, Judy. 
Thank you so much. For our listeners, thanks so much for joining Lee Ritchie and I to talk about the problem and a skew and the ways you can manage it and tap into more resources. We will see you next week. And don't forget, we're going to be at IMS the second week of June. And so I hope you'll stop by and see me at booth 1855. We'll see you next week. Until then, remember to always stay connected to the ecosystem. Oh, 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 oh,